What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hi, hello, Hardwood Knox listeners. I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, has so, so, so many trade target ideas for the Boston Celtics co-host, Andrew (laughs) D. Bailey. Before we get into our trade targets for every Eastern Conference team, since we've already done the Western Conference, just the usual housekeeping notes. First and foremost, please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. Shout out to everybody who helped us bury the Lakers fans' reviews that were mad at Andy for giving a fair analysis of Kyle Kuzma's trade value, I would call it. Uh, Also, shout outs to, there was a Lakers fan or two that actually reviewed us as well um, and gave a kind review and and gave what I thought were even-keeled responses about Kuzma, so we appreciate everyone who did that. If you can keep those ratings coming because our average has just been torpedoed since the Kyle Kuzma stuff, that would again be appreciated. You can also find us wherever else you're getting your podcast. Apple is still the best way to help us out on the pod. And so if you're a superhero and you're consuming your podcast on another medium, you can still go onto iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to us. Subscribing is most important, of course. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com. Search Hardwood Knox. We'll be right there. Boom. Hit subscribe. Like all our videos. We'd appreciate that as well. Follow the show on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. Follow Andy on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And be sure to follow the Blue Wire Podcast Network on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Last but certainly not least, shout out to this week's sponsor who helps make all of these fantastically fire podcast possible uh we're sponsored by untuck it this week you'll hear an ad read from them shortly but uh again shout, shouts to them for just for just being here and for just loving hardwood knocks as much as as you do andy how are you doing i'm doing great uh during that intro i decided to look up the reviews i haven't i haven't actually looked at them in a while so shout out to you bridge seller bren 347 kxyz10 uh fry but I, 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 was, I kept scrolling down after those nice ones, and I, I think I found my favorite one-star review from September 27th, 2019. <laughs> the pod is written by guys who think stats and analytics is the end-all, be-all in rating uh, capitalized teams and players. Uh, there's, there's, one, there's one piece of punctuation in there. It's the, it's the period at the end of that, um, I guess we'll call it a sentence. And then he said... Athletes are just robots without no emotions, according to them, dot, dot, dot. That, I remember that one. I have no idea what that was in response <laughs> to, be honest. Put what, that in the Hall of Fame. I, I might have to blast that one out on Twitter. Um, but anyway. One of my again, favorites thank, was that we're another LeBron slobbering podcast, but yeah. uh, then we're also Lakers haters at the same time. So that that's that's, always that makes sense. 
Makes perfect sense. You ready to get to these trade targets? Um, I absolutely am. Did you want to go in reverse or regular alphabetical? Ooh, uh, getting spicy on me. We, we can go reverse. Oh, we're going reverse. That's for some reason not. I don't. When I'm looking at it in the spreadsheet, it seems harder to go in reverse alphabetical <laughs> order for the East, but not the West. Don't ask me why. Uh, we well, s- oh, go ahead. Think it's going to get weird right off the bat if we go in reverse alphabetical order, but I'm I'm fine with that. Well, we start with the Washington Wizards, who I have to say, before you give your trade targets, are they're decidedly fun. That's what I've decided. Yeah. They're decidedly fun. They are decidedly fun. I can I can wholeheartedly. Um, we've got two E-D-L-Y words uh, back-to-back there. I can agree with that. Um, my trade target for them, I, when I wrote a trade targets piece, uh, I don't know, it's been probably a month ago now, you helped me out with the Wizards, and I, I think I ended up going with Noah Vonley um, at your suggestion. I, The more I watch the Wizards, um, they, they've got a decent amount of talent in in bigs and sort of hybrid bigs with Davis Bertans, Mo Wagner, uh, Thomas Bryant. They've got some stuff going on there. Um, so I got a little kooky <laughs> with my target for them for this podcast. I went with Chris Paul. Um, okay. <laughs> I am ready to hear this. Here's my reasoning. Okay. I feel like, at the start of the season, it was pretty understandable that there wasn't a real robust market for Chris Paul. Um, based on what we've seen from the Thunder, and now I think we're almost to the point where the Thunder might not be real excited to trade Chris Paul. Um, but assuming they would still be interested in in you know any kind of cap relief, maybe a pick, this is an interesting idea to me. Um, Chris Paul is going to be on the hook for one fewer year than John Wall. Um, so that's that's a little bit of relief for the Wizards, actually. Um, I, I don't know if they'd be willing to give up a pick, but obviously Chris Paul can play right now. John Wall can't. Um, the Wizards are still in the playoff hunt, last I checked. Let me see what they're at for a uh, chance to get in right now. They've got this really, really fun offense. They shoot a they shoot a ton of threes with Davis Bertans. They're actually killing it from the mid-range, too. Um, they've got a 13% chance to get in. They're 13 and 26. So those chances are fading. Um, but maybe you throw Chris Paul into this mix and and you supercharge that already fun offense a little bit more. Um, uh, like I said, it's going to get weird, and this is a rambling way to try and justify this, but I think this this is something that they could look at. I don't think you need to justify it for the Wizards. You probably need to justify it for the Thunder. So You said pick. Good. I think you need to pluralize that. <laughs> okay. You you might be right. Um, so, yeah, it would it would take more convincing on the Thunder's part. And like I said, they might even be at a point now where they're they're thinking, let's just ride this out. Um, they're, they're kind of, they're looking closer and closer to a playoff lock. Um, are we, I mean, I may, I might even be willing to go there right now that, that OKC is a playoff lock. Uh, it seems like Shea Gilgis Alexander is learning a lot of good things from Chris Paul. So, so throwing a wrench into that, um, would be a little bit weird. So yeah, maybe it, maybe it's going to require multiple picks to get that done, but, but then they could sell it as, look, we got, Look at all the picks we got for Paul George. Look at all the picks we got for Russell Westbrook. And then, you know, it looked like we weren't going to be able to get it. For a little bit there, it would almost look like they might have to sweeten Chris Paul deals and give some of those picks back. Um, but I think he's he's played at a level that they might be able to continue to sort of sweeten that that uh, 
that treasure trove of draft picks that they have. I am. I agree with you on the Chris Paul front, where I'm surprised that that they haven't gotten a mega offer for him because I'm just under the assumption that if they, if they did get a good offer for him, he might've already been moved. And so yeah. I think if they do end up trading him, it'll be for mostly cap relief. Uh, the him in Washington is, is bold. I, I like it for Washington, but John Wall after this season has three years and a hundred and, $32.9 million left on his deal. Unless the Thunder just looking at it as, well, we were going to pay Russell Westbrook. Anyway, like this is fine. I, I think they would need sweeteners that Washington doesn't have slash wouldn't be willing to, to yeah, give up. that's probably true. Just because, Paul, just because I don't even think one first-round pick does it for me in that deal, just personally. Uh, extra points for thinking outside the box, though. I mean... <laughs> Uh, Paul coming into Washington, I don't. Does does he ruin any of the fun that they're having? Maybe not because he seems very happy in OKC. But props to you to thinking outside the box. I I went with. Um, I just think this team needs wings, and so I I just penciled in Zaire Smith, Malik Beasley, who will probably come up for just about every team. I also have Kyle Kuzma yeah. for them. Uh, I don't know if the Lakers would have if there's a deal uh, that you can build around. Let's say Davis Bertans and Ish Smith to the Lakers for Kuzma, and then you need to throw some salary filler in there since the Lakers do need to start surviving the LeBron-less minutes. Um, and they actually have done better during that time. A big part of that's that win they had over OKC without LeBron NAD, but that might be a deal worth looking at. I'm sure Lakers fans wouldn't be too turned on by a Bertans-Ishmith package that uh, gets out of Kyle Kuzma, but uh, Kuzma and Washington would be of great interest to me moving forward, regardless of what they do, whether it's rebuild or just move forward with Wall and Bradley Beal. Yeah, I could see any of those as, as possibilities. And I'm with you. I think Malik Beasley is a name that's uh, going to be very easy to throw around in, in trade proposals and ideas. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untucket shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untucket style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. I promise you I did not throw him around with the next team, which is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, no, it's Don't not. you mean the Toronto, Toronto Raptors? Raptors? I told you this was too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you have for the Toronto? I promise he's not mentioned for the Raptors either, though, if that's any consolation. Who do you have for them? This is another one that um, might have seemed more realistic a few weeks ago, uh, but it's it's – J.J. Redick from the New Orleans Pelicans. And now it looks like they have a shot at the playoffs. And and recent reports say that David Griffin is more interested in being a buyer than a seller at the deadline. And so names like J.J. Redick, Derek Favors, uh, Drew Holiday, they may not be as realistic targets as they were um, 
again a few weeks ago. But Toronto, I think, could use a guy who's just – I think J.J. Redick is a guy that can just plug and play anywhere. Um, improve your spacing, constant off-ball movement. Um, I, I think he would fit right in with Toronto right away. I don't know exactly what they'd give up. Um, Norman Powell's contract is even. I, and there's issues with that deal. Obviously, Powell is younger. He's he's probably got – not probably. He's, he's definitely got higher upside defensively. Um, but if Toronto is, is serious about taking a run at this thing, and I don't know how serious I even want to consider them as contenders, uh, but they've been better than I expected. And I think they've been better than a lot of people expected. And I think JJ Redick would help them their, their ball movement and player movement, heavy offense. I think he'd fit right in. I mean, I like it. If, I mean, if you go Powell and a pick for JJ, maybe it's two picks, a first rounder and a second rounder, just because I don't know that I wouldn't view I wouldn't view Powell as like this huge negative on his salary for next season, but I don't think he's like this big asset either. He also yeah, has that player op- he also has that player option for 2021-2022, which I didn't realize. That almost seems wrong for some reason. I didn't know his contract uh went that long. So, I like that target for them. Uh I had of of a sim- not of a similar ilk, but I was looking at and can they become buyers without uh, without adding money to their books beyond this season. And so you use Norman Powell as your anchor and attach whatever picks and other filler to him that works. And so the names I came up with were uh, Daniil Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and, and Marcus Morris. Uh, I actually really like the J.J. Redick fit in Toronto because it does seem like that, you know, pretty much every team can use that shooter who can score in motion, but they they need it more than most when you look at some of the, just the offensive model that they've been dealing with all season. Uh, those three guys stood out to me just because they're all free agents next season. You don't have Marcus Morris's bird rights, but at his $15 million salary, you don't necessarily need it if you want to keep him. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, I think he's someone you could get away playing next to both Siakam and then Endor, Abakar, or Gasol if you don't end up moving one of them in in that deal. Uh, Bodan Radonovich seems like a, an easier fit just salary-wise, but also someone who can give you some secondary ball handling and and score from the outside. So those were the three names that kind of stood out most to me. I love Gallo for a bunch of different teams, um, including the Raptors. I think he would be phenomenal there. And if, if OKC does end up being sellers at the deadline, he's, he's a very interesting name for me. And now we're to the Philadelphia 76ers. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, um, obviously. <laughs> They need shooters. Um, breaking news. I, I know that's that's a real uh, hot take that I'm presenting to the podcast today. Uh, but they they s- just severely, um, sorely miss what J.J. Redick did for them the last few seasons. It's amazing what a difference one legit um, floor spacer can can bring. There was a there was a little resurgence for guys like Al Horford and Josh Richardson. They had a stretch where they were shooting pretty well earlier this season, but it's been rough. Lately, they need they need somebody that's got that off ball movement, great catch and shoot player. I put down Doug McDermott. I don't even know if Indiana would be interested in selling. I don't know what Philadelphia would send back because um, Indiana is obviously really good right now too. They just leapfrogged uh, Philly in the standings, and so and, and Doug McDermott has played a role for them this season. So they might not be interested in whatever Philly can offer, um, but they they need somebody like that who can move around off the ball as a great catch and shoot 
weapon because as long as they've got Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons on the floor at the same time, and I know they don't right now with Embiid's injury, um, but spacing is going to be cramped with this team. And if you just add one, uh, you know, really serious threat to the outside, it can change a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I guess Indiana's just so good and they need to shoot more threes themselves that I do wonder yeah. how gettable McDermott would be. But they've never seemed to have, have played him enough. And Philly, more than most teams, including Indiana, can very easily plan around yeah. whatever defensive limitations there are. Uh my I'm gonna my first trade target for Philly is basically a no go anymore. But I was I, I thought I loved the fit was Luke Kennard. Uh, now yeah. he's dealing with bilateral knee tendonitis, and so the Pistons don't expect him back until after the All-Star break, which is after the trade deadline. And so what are you then willing to give up for him? But he's been yeah. a low-key beast this season for them. And so depending on what the cost is, Philly's the team that can, you know, Zaire Smith and another first-round pick. Like, that's something that get interesting. And Kennard, gets interesting. Kennard does have one year left on his rookie scale. Again, I'm not sure how much his injury torpedoes that right now uh, some other names that i have for them uh, i think bojack Bogdanovic is a good fit there as well uh they can do mike scott zaire smith and then that's when you have to get to um adding picks and the salary should work there is sacramento interested in that i'm sure they might push for matisse thibel uh, i don't think that philly would would do that though wayne ellington would be a super buy low name for them just to get that yeah. other motion shooter he has not been scoring well from beyond the arc this year, but you have to imagine that gets a little bit better uh, if he's on a, a a better team like Philly. Uh, other names could be Thomas Sadoransky, Shabazz Napier might work for them, Langston Galloway. I, I think what they need even more than shooting is someone who can also, is playmaking shooting, just basically someone who can also score off the dribble for them because they don't have that combination of, of player right now. It's not Tobias Harris. It's not Josh Richardson. We know that Ben Simmons can't shoot so they need to figure out a way to get that brand of player to me someone along the skill sets of the guys that I just mentioned and what's also kind of floored me is that they've been linked to Davis Bertans or Robert Covington where when you look at the draft equity that they would need to give up or even the asset equity if we're looking at some of the you know a younger player like Zaire Smith who perhaps maybe he's not that high of a cost maybe they're out on him but those guys just don't fill the most urgent need for Philadelphia, and so I'd be, I'd be miffed if if that's the the route they went, given what they would have to get, uh, give up to land any one of those players. Yeah, I think the asking price on Davis Bertans um, has shot through the roof this season. So I'm, I'm with you there. That's that would take a lot to pry him away from Washington at this point. Can you guess what? percentile the philadelphia 76ers starting lineup is in for offensive rating and i know joel Embiid is injured right now i'll say uh 30th percentile you're extremely close the 27th percentile Uh, the mega issue yeah that's very very bad (laughs) um all right that brings us to the magic i feel like this is a little bit of a cop-out this has kind of been the go-to ever since kevin o'connor wrote about it back in like October, maybe. Um, but DeMar DeRozan for the, with the Orlando Magic. I, you know, from, from the moment I read that report, um, it just kind of made sense to me. I don't, you know, I, I think I'm maybe a little bit lower on DeRozan than a lot of people are. 
But I do think if there's one spot that might make some sense for him, um, it's Orlando. They just need offense in whatever form it comes. Um, and Aaron Gordon makes sense to the Spurs to me. We talked about that in the Western Conference podcast. Uh, I think it was you who brought up Aaron Gordon for the Spurs. Um, he can help them defensively. It's it's kind of funny. We're at a point where <clears throat> the Spurs are the team that needs help on defense. Um, but DeMar DeRozan, I know that I've got my issues with him refusing to shoot threes and all that. Um, but he's he's been really good in the mid-range. And, and San Antonio's problem is not offense. Um, it, the, the bigger concern with him going to Orlando would be what it does to their defense. And I think they'd still have enough guys – to sort of cover for his limitations. I know Jonathan Isaac's out for the foreseeable future, but maybe going forward, he's a guy who can cover some of DeMar DeRozan's deficiencies. I think Mark L. Fultz has good defensive upside. Um, Mo Bamba, I think, still has some defensive upside. So they've got some pieces there that can maybe sort of cover DeRozan. What they need is just a spark on offense. The one thing I disagree with is offense definitely became a problem for the Spurs this season until they started yeah, chucking threes. The, I I agree with the DeRozan pick. I have him listed as one of my magic selections as well. I guess I'd be concerned if they can surround him with enough shooting because the, the Spurs have finally done that uh, in chucking threes. And, and kind of since LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, this was something that stood out to me. I know people have mentioned that this was kind of a gradual change from for the Spurs, but it, it was to me it was definitely more sudden. Aldridge went from averaging 1.7 three-point attempts in his first 26 games to tripling that volume over his past 10. That's not gradual. No. And uh, <laughs> the Spurs during that time have the 16th highest three-point attempt rate in the league. And DeMar DeRozan is shooting 63.9% on two-pointers uh, during that stretch as well. And so I wonder if Orlando could replicate that, which is why he wouldn't be my top target. But I, I agree. I think you hit it where it said they could use offense in whatever form. I don't know if they're worried maybe about too much overlap between him and, and Markel Fultz now, just as two guys that are going to be on the perimeter that can't really shoot. But again, I, I think when you look at some of their offensive problems, they could use, uh, maybe they couldn't use, but they do get to the line a lot. And DeMar DeRozan, someone else who fits uh, that theme. I, I like it. Another name that I had circled for them, though, was Dennis Schroeder, if OKC is going to blow it up. And I, I don't know if you've looked at Dennis Schroeder's uh, shooting splits this season, but they are absolutely wild. He is shooting a career high basically from everywhere on the floor, whether it's the rim, short mid-range, long mid-range, corner three, above the break three. It's it's basically across the board. He's in the 81st percentile of finishing at the rim, 76th percentile of all mid-rangers, 94th percentile of corner threes, and he's about league average um, on all threes slash above the break threes. And so I don't think someone like him, his spacing wouldn't be as much of a concern as DeRozan's maybe, if you can count on that jumper, at least being somewhat replicable uh, to what it's been in OKC. And maybe the cost isn't too huge. I don't necessarily know what you get into to giving up for him. Uh, do you give up Aaron Gordon in that deal? I, I honestly, I, I don't know, but he would be someone who fits. And then this is going to shock you, but I also have Bogdan Bogdanovich listed for the Orlando Magic. Not someone you want to use as a primary ball handler, but if you trust Fultz, and Evan Fournier, and, and Terrence Ross, and DJ Augustine. I do think he blends in nicely. Uh, I have two others. Kyle Kuzma, I think, would be an interesting fit in Orlando long-term, more so than Aaron Gordon, if, if we're monitoring this next to, to Jonathan Isaac as, as my phone goes off in the background. And finally, if they were just going super low-end uh, as on, on the cheap, they want to buy but don't want to give up much, I think Alec Burks 
helps this roster more than incrementally without them having to break the bank. Yeah. Alec Burks is another one. We mentioned this in the Western Conference pod too, but <clears throat> we could probably plug him into a lot of places and and offer a reasonable explanation for that. Um, that brings us to the New York Knicks. Oh, I uh, Sorry. <laughs> I should have – I mean, this is another team that I might just lean on your targets more than mine. My thought is um, they're in a position to take on bad money, and as I – scan the list of player contracts right now I'm, I'm not really sure i see great candidates out there but they should obviously be sellers um that includes julius randall uh marcus morris all, all those guys should be available taj gibson wayne ellington uh i think everybody probably knows the names uh their <clears throat> their purpose right now should be you know seeing whatever value they can get for those guys, they shouldn't care about taking on bad money for a year or two because they're not going to be good anyway. Um, I, I wish I had a name for you, but I'm sure you do. And I know that you think along this these same lines quite often. So I'm interested to hear what your targets are. So we're entering the get weird portion of the program, for okay, me, good, which is where I, I think I've really started going outside the box on a lot of these teams uh, while mentioning the main targets. I think the Knicks should mortgage their future for Andre Drummond. Wow. No, I'm just, I'm literally just <laughs> <Okay>. kidding. <laughs> I was like, that, that, that was weird. Yeah. I think, so this is a very specific set of circumstances. I don't know that it actually works, but I have Monte Morris for them, who immediately becomes potentially the best point guard they've had in the past 20 years or something like that. <laughs> and you can, my rationale is here, if you package together Marcus Morris and Reggie Bullock, when you look at the way he's been, he's been playing, there are some larger deals that you can construct that include Mason Plumlee's salary. I don't know that the Nuggets would need to give up Malik Beasley in there as well. Um, but maybe they trust a little bit with the way Will Barton's been playing this year that they might not need Monte Morris as long-term. And I think that both um, Marcus Morris and Reggie Bullock kind of fit what they could use at both ends. They don't have a lot of two-way players, and I don't think either of those guys are the best defenders, but... When you look at the way they've been shooting this year, uh, the Nuggets do need that element. Gary Harris is not shooting well from three. Jamal Murray's not shooting well from three. Jokic has been on fire lately, and even he's still only up to about 34% shooting from beyond the arc. And so it definitely depends on on how much they value Monte Morris. He has another year at extremely cost-controlled salary. Uh, but again, if you're giving up both Marcus Morris and Bullock in that scenario— Bullock's under team control for next season. You don't need necessarily Marcus Morris's bird rights if you want to keep him because his salary's so high. And you have Millsap and Jeremy Grant entering free agency as well. There's also Juan Hernan Gomez, too. You're getting to keep Otto Porter in a deal like this because you're not going after the, the higher-end acquisition. Uh, that was a scenario that stood out to me. But if I'm the Knicks, I'm just inquiring in general because you know that they signed Jamal Murray. You know Morris is at least a year out from free agency. Uh, I would see what it takes just to get someone like him, a game manager who doesn't turn the ball over a ton and, and can space the floor. I like it. Um, I think I would have liked hearing a an explanation for Andre Drummond as well, but I like that idea. Bad. Well, let's let's not go down <laughs> that rabbit hole. Let's instead move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Who do you have? All right, for the Bucks, I've got uh, Jay Crowder. Um, Another name that's kind of interesting because obviously the Grizzlies are in the playoffs right now. Um, I, I don't think this little run from them should discourage them from moving Jay Crowder if they got a decent offer for him. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if the Bucks would be willing to give up picks, maybe like a second rounder. Um, in addition to Ersan Ilyasova, he would he would be salary matching. And Ilyasova has been I just pronounced his name two different ways in like five seconds. Um, Go for three. <laughs> he has been good for them uh, over the years, but I think Jay Crowder gives them more defensive versatility than uh, let's see Ilyasova does. Um, he's you know obviously not the same kind of a shooter but I, I he can attack off the dribble a little bit but I, I think this is mostly about just having a guy that you can bring in off the bench that can guard basically one through four um probably probably two through four maybe one through four in a pinch uh just just increases the defensive versatility of this team a little bit I think as if they need that I mean the Bucks are a juggernaut right now so trade targets for them are they almost feel like nitpicking yeah I, I like Jay Crowder though just someone who could defend bigger wings and I don't that's not something you have, at least coming off the bench right now yeah. in heavy supply. And so I like that. I do wonder if, you know, his three-point shooting is kind of spotty and with the way that Brooke Lopez very has spotty. been bricking, <laughs> very spotty, has been bricking <laughs> wide open threes this year. Maybe that gets a little tenuous, but I just feel like they have the, the talent in general to overcome it. This is the team, uh, the only team that I had J.J. Redick for because I recognize in my head, I was just, I don't see the Pelicans moving him at the yeah. same time. When you look at the Bucks having the Indiana pick, um, they have Dante DiVincenzo, who's been good at both ends for them this year. They have DJ Wilson. They have some salary filler when you're looking at Ilyasova. I think they could build one of the more attractive packages. And now New Orleans is probably getting Zion Williamson back uh, soon after we're recording this. And so they'll have at least a couple weeks sample size to see whether the playoffs are realistic. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. endorse them moving J.J. Redick. I actually just think that the Bucks would be positioned more than most teams to entice them uh, because they might give up uh, more than than most other teams. And so he would just be an incredible fit with Milwaukee to me. And like you said, they're already the best team in the league, so any target is nitpicking. If they were looking for uh, another ball handler still, and J.J. Redick can be that guy just to sort of leverage in the playoffs, guess what? Bogdan Bogdanovich, he works there yeah. too. They were also another potential Luke Kennard destination for me when you look at the the pieces they have. Again, I don't know how interested in him they'd be knowing he might not return until the All-Star break, though. Yeah, those are all uh, interesting to me, for sure. Which brings us to the Miami Heat. Um, I'm not going to get real creative here. I, I think this is one of the only destinations where I can kind of talk myself into Kevin Love. Um, and we, I think we've probably talked about this on the podcast before. He... Um, his market's going to be very, very interesting to me. I've written about his contract a couple times in the last month, and every time I really look into you know his injury history, the way the game has changed over the years, and the length of his contract, it's just really hard to imagine many teams giving up a lot to get him. Um, Miami can offer just straight-up cap relief to the Cavs. James Johnson and Deion Waiters, both going to be expiring next season, and that's enough salary to get you there. Um, I don't know if some other team would swoop in and offer a pick for Kevin Love, and then obviously Miami might have to add something else. But I think there's a real chance that Cleveland's best offer for Kevin Love is just we'll we'll save you a little bit of money on the back end of that deal. Um, those guys come off the books two years sooner than Kevin Love does. And Miami, I think, has enough versatile defensive players to cover for Kevin Love's deficiencies. On that end, I mean, they're already doing that for Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk on a on a mostly night to night basis. Um, so he he is interesting to me 
in Miami. He's, he slots in as a nice natural number two option behind Jimmy Butler. A um, lot of, lot of playmaking and facilitation and passing between him and Bam at I think there's, there's something interesting there. Yeah, I, I could totally see it. And if the Heat weren't too concerned about how hit about what he does, their 2021 cap room, I think that he's just a fit um, in Miami. I, I did not. That's another huge factor. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a that's one of the reasons why I did not list him. I have the two non-creative options first. Chris Paul, who also eats into their 2021 cap room, but I still think if there's a, another player out there who might have been built for the Heat culture, it'd be CP3. Uh, yeah. Pairing him with Jimmy Butler, wow. Uh, I feel like that'd be spectacular. Drew Holiday's also on there. Uh, he, he maybe doesn't mess with their cap room in 2021 just because he has a player option. That season, he is one of the players that I would not even hesitate about risking that cap space for. And there would also be pathways um, to them still having max room while getting a Drew Holiday and maybe even Kevin Love. It's it's the Chris Paul salary, which is about $15 million higher in its final season um, than it would be for Holiday or, or Love in 2021 uh, or Chris Paul salary in 2021 as, as well since – Wait, that is the final year of his deal. Tripping over my words, but that point still stands. Uh, what I also have on sort of just the cheaper end for them, their defense has actually not been good lately. I think some of that has to do with Justice Winslow not really being on the floor. Uh, Miami is, I think, 21st in offensive efficiency the last time I checked, basically over the the past month. And so they might be an interesting Roco destination. Uh, they do have some expiring contracts that they could package together. They have uh, those standout young players. When you look at Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, I don't know that I'd give up Tyler Hero in a Robert Covington deal. Probably not. But if you go with just one of the flyers, maybe even Chris Silva attached to a pick, does that do anything for Minnesota? Um, And then I also have listed for them Marvin Williams. If you can just maybe a smaller deal where you use one of your expiring contracts with a with a, a light sweetener. He's someone that I think could really help that team a perfect fit beside them at a bio. And then finally, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I listed him for another team. My spreadsheet is all over the place right now, but if they could get Dennis Smith jr. On the cheap, he just, it feels like they're a team that's rebooted so many careers. I wouldn't mind seeing what they could do with Dennis Smith jr. Off the bench. And I, I'm not, I was never too high on Dennis Smith jr. But I would think that his overall ceiling is much higher than someone like, Kendrick Nunn, who's who's a little bit more limited as a playmaker, and so if you can get him for Dennis Smith Jr. for for not that much from New York, I would absolutely look into it as as a flyer if I were Miami. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they could revive that career because, like you said, they've had some success doing that. It's interesting that we've reached a point in Dennis Smith's career where um, I would say there's a question between him and Kendrick Nunn. Um, and maybe that's more of a credit to Kendrick Nunn, but it's it's been an interesting run for Dennis Smith, that's for sure. Kendrick Nunn, interesting run. Um, <laughs> that brings us to the Indiana Pacers. And I feel like I did this more in this podcast than I did in the Western Conference when I kind of feel bad about it. I don't, I don't have a real clear path to getting this guy, um, but I think Daniel Gallinari next to Damanis Sabonis would just be, uh, it'd be such a fun offensive front court. Um, the problem is, of course, I think you would probably have to trade Miles Turner and I don't know, 
what need OKC would have for him right now, unless they've got a Steven Adams trade lined up at the same time. But that's asking a lot because um, they've already got Steven Adams. They've already got Nerlens Noel. So there's there's maybe not a ton of common sense on the other side of this deal. But I was just thinking of of guys who can increase their offensive ceiling a little bit. Um, I think Danilo Gallinari obviously does that. I was actually looking up numbers for Reggie Miller the other day based on a question I got on Twitter. Um, and he was way ahead of his time in terms of free throw rate and three point attempt rate. And if you just use his career numbers and those two stats as the baseline, the only other guys who match or exceed his marks there was Danilo Gallinari, James Harden. And I think Chauncey Billups was the last one. Wow. Um, yeah. Gallinari is just such a, he's just such a thoroughly modern offensive player, extremely efficient. I think he instantly raises the ceiling of whatever offense he's on. Um, and I, you know, he, I think he'd obviously do that for Indiana. I like it. I mean, I don't know that you have to give up Miles Turner. You do have TJ Warring and uh, TJ War- Warren, Warring, wow, uh, and Jeremy Lamb. <laughs> he was sal- Warring recently. Yeah, that so. is true with Jimmy Butler. Uh, yeah, you do have them as salary matching anchors if you don't mind that Gallinari's hitting free agency this summer, and then you can throw there's Doug McDermott's salary. You have TJ Leaf as fillers, so there are permutations that you can build they are a tough team overall because i don't think they give up any of their major salary pieces uh, make, yeah. unless someone comes in for just with, with a monster offer for miles turner and i still don't even know that they would move him uh i like Dallas fit though i went a little bit lower end for them just thinking that they would be looking more on the cheap malik beasley's obviously a good fit there i think reggie bullock could help them just as a wing that can shoot the three and, and closer to a true three than anyone else that they have on the roster right now. Uh, I also like, just as a flyer, Denzel Valentine in Chicago. The Bulls want to get rid of him. He shot the three ball well, and maybe he's just someone that you can get going uh, in motion or or just anyone who can up your three-point volume. He's attempting almost 10 three-pointers per 36 minutes, and I don't think he comes that expensive. I also did have Gallo listed for them, by the way, and right along with Evan Fournier was if they're going to give up one of their heavier salary matching anchors that aren't Miles Turner, I, I think he helps their team out a great deal. It's just the more expensive targets, I I would probably, even though I listed them, would steer away from just because I think they probably want to see what they have in Oladipo and this core together first, and he's not going to come back until almost the start of February. Yeah, I like all those. Um, which brings us to the Detroit Pistons, a team in need of a reset, if you ask me. And so my target for them, and and this has been floating around for a few weeks now, obviously, um, but I think Chandler Parsons is one of the best contracts any rebuilding team can go out and get right now. And it's it's a pretty natural swap with the Atlanta Hawks. If Atlanta wants to give anything up um, prior to Andre Drummond hitting free agency, Chandler Parsons could save the Pistons a ton of cap flexibility and a ton of money. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you there. Uh, but. Wouldn't they save that money anyway if Andre Drummond opts out of his contract? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it, basically what this comes down to is Detroit going to be willing to attach like anything to Chandler Parsons. So, I, you know, and that's a, that's something that we've discussed on the podcast. Um, does Atlanta want to bank on being the top suitor in free agency or does it want to get him in early and get him a chance to play with Trey Young um, and, and kind of get him hooked on the, the team before he enters free agency? Um, that's obviously something that Atlanta is going to have to talk about, but, uh, that's, that's the one I settled on. Yeah. That's the, 
probably the, the strongest argument there is for Atlanta in my mind to go after Drummond. Uh, for Detroit, if they, I do, I did this with the intention that they would be sellers. I feel like they just need to get prospects of any sort in the door right yeah. now. Uh, guess what? Malik Beasley would be interesting yeah. there. Uh, could they also get, you know, if the Knicks really do want Drummond, uh, maybe you get Dennis Smith Jr. and something else in addition to the salary filler. Uh, yeah. It's it's tough to, and I don't even think he's a great fit there. Like he, If I'm trading Andre Drummond, even though the offers don't seem to be particularly robust, I'm not using Dennis Smith Jr. as the centerpiece in, in that return. Like I wouldn't value that if, if I were Detroit. Uh, they could maybe be a team that takes a look at Denzel Valentine. Uh, it gets... I just didn't know really what else to put for them from there because there are not just a lot of these younger wings that might come back in, in any trade that that they could that they could really give up because you're not going to get a, a blue chip prospect, it doesn't seem like, for moving Drummond or, for that matter, for moving off Derek Rose, who, by the way, might also be an interesting fit in Orlando now that we're talking about yeah. it. So that would be along the lines that I was I was thinking of them. They were the team... Um, they and the Chicago Bulls were the team that was most difficult for me. Uh, maybe they maybe they could get in on a Dario Saric trade. I don't know that Phoenix would have really any interest in Derrick Rose. They definitely shouldn't be interested in in Andre Drummond. Maybe that's a three team setup, or you put something else together. But Saric is only just back in in Phoenix's rotation. So so those are names that kind of sort of stand out to me for for Detroit. Assuming, of course, that they're going to lean into this reset. Yeah, I can uh I can buy all of that. Which brings us to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um I feel like I could just kind of invert what I said about Miami. So if if they were to get James Johnson and Deion Waiters again, that saves them money. It gives them cap relief a little bit earlier. So I think those would be interesting targets for Cleveland. I also think of the Kevin Love trade rumors that have kind of swir- swirled around out there, Phoenixes is interesting. Um, they can get cap relief in the form of Tyler Johnson's contract. And then Dario Saric, you've mentioned him a couple times. He's a guy, um, I think he's maybe a little bit older than I, I realize. I want to figure this out before I spout it now. He's 25 years old. I haven't given up on Dario Saric yet. Um, I think there's a little bit more playmaking for ability there than we've seen in recent years. Like that, that was one of the things that was most exciting about him when he was coming over uh, to the Philadelphia 76ers. And even a little bit in his rookie season was that he could pass the ball a little bit. Um, So he would be an interesting target for the Cavs for me too. I think ultimately what I'm looking at is, is just which potential returns uh, for Kevin Love would be the most intriguing. I'm, I have Darius Arsenal for them as well, just because the Suns seem like one of the teams that would make a move for Kevin Love. Uh, this was another sort of way out there target. Miles Bridges for me with Cleveland. Are yeah. they a team that could talk themselves into going after Kevin Love? Uh, because they are sort of close to the playoff race this year. And Devontae Graham's been so good. Terry Rozier's looked better in a secondary role. You have P.J. Washington. And if you, maybe you can get off Nicholas Batum's deal in that trade. And if, since Miles Bridges has been so up and down this year, and I'm still a huge Miles Bridges fan, maybe... Maybe that's the framework that gets you Kevin Love. Is that too high a price to pay? Is can you expand the deal and maybe you're getting back one of the one of Cleveland's just many guard prospects at this point as well? I don't know, but Miles Bridges would be just an interesting if I'm a team out there and Charlotte is just willing to to get off of him, he'd be an interesting just just flyer to buy buy low, buy high candidate, whatever he is for a bunch of teams in Cleveland, which 
has a kind of a dearth of prospects, particularly on the front line. I'd be interested to see Miles Bridges there. I don't view it as necessarily realistic in a Kevin Love trade, but yeah. I'm viewing this from the Cavs' perspectives, and maybe the Hornets convince themselves to be buyers at this year's trade deadline. I, I don't again, I don't think they do, but they are a team that I could see going rogue. Give yeah, given their front office, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if they said we're we can make the playoffs. Let's do this. Um, the Chicago Bulls. Speaking of front offices that might be thinking that way, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Chris Paul out there again. Um, again, I think he's really upped his trade value over the course of the season. The Bulls aren't in the playoffs right now, but they're also not out. Shout out to the the back end of both playoff races right now, just leaving the door open for some really bad teams. Um, I I love the fit of Sadoransky next to Zach Levine. I thought that was going to work a lot better. I thought Thaddeus Young was going to do a lot more for the Bulls than he has this season. Um, but it's it's just obviously not clicked kind of the way that I thought it would. I think Chris Paul's an instant ceiling raiser for that team. He probably gets them into the playoffs. To what end? I don't know. I mean, they're, they're probably going to get squashed by whatever team they play in the first round. But like I said at the outset of this, um, the Bulls are a team that I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if the front office said, let's go for it. Let's see if we can make the playoffs this season, um, regardless of the outcome once we get there. Yeah, that's what made it so tough for me. I, I didn't know whether to treat them as buyers or sellers leading into this yeah. deadline. And even if they're selling, I don't know what their target could be based on who they could offer. I just had Malik Beasley penciled in for them. They need wing prospects. Having his bird rights ahead of restricted free agency is probably a semi-big deal. Uh, I I don't know if they could get into, you know, can they go after, like, a a Kevin Knox from New York if the Knicks are ready to get off him? Uh, He has not been great. Maybe you don't view his contract as much of an asset with two years left on it, but he is under team control. And if you're looking to reboot value and really sell, do you have anything that the Knicks would – would be interesting where you're not giving up Lowry Marketing or Wendell Carter Jr. for him. I don't know. Uh, the Bulls are a tough team to really make sense of at, at the trade deadline. But any sort of wing prospect that they could get, even if they, even if it's another Nuggets wing, Juan Hernan Gomez, he sort of works for them. I don't think yeah. they have the asset juice to bring in a a, a Luke Kennard. Uh, but but any just one along those two three lines would be would be perfect for them. Yeah, I. I... Uh, and with that, which brings us to our next CH team, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I went with <laughs> this is another one that I, I'm not even you can hear it in my voice. I'm just dying to tell you this one. Um, <laughs> Marvin Williams is an interesting target for me to the Suns. And so I think, you know, would the Suns be willing to give up a second round pick for him? Maybe you attach that to Tyler Johnson. And so just sort of uh, implicitly Tyler Johnson is my target for the Hornets. Um, They, like some of the other teams we've mentioned in this podcast, probably need to be looking at cap relief. Um, And this, this is the same thing that you brought up with Chandler Parsons and Andre Drummond. They get the cap relief uh, if they just let Marvin Williams contract expire. But if you can get Phoenix to, to give up a draft pick, um, then you still get the cap relief in the form of Tyler Johnson's pick or contract. And you also get a little pick to go with it. I don't know how high value it's going to be. Again, I don't think you're going to get more than a second rounder for Marvin Williams, but he's a, he's a guy that's interesting for a lot of different teams to me. Yeah, I, I get that for sure. I have more just, they're in the similar situation to the Bulls. I don't necessarily think that they'll buy, but can you just bring in some wing prospects there? Uh, buy low on them, maybe Justin Jackson in Dallas, uh, Kevin Knox, the Knicks, 
another player who springs to mind. You're not getting rid of Kevin Knox that easy, Dan. Uh, look, uh, I'm actually Kevin Knox. <laughs> I'm actually Kevin Knox believer. I, I'm also someone who didn't think they should draft him. I was. I wanted Shea Gilgis Alexander at the time. I I can vouch for that. That was yeah. You were definitely on that bandwagon. Yeah. So, um, but Kevin Knox would be one. You can also throw Malik Beasley into there as well as we recycle all these names. It's just so hard yeah. to come up with wing prospects. I don't think that they have anything that would really interest Philly to where you can throw just a Zaire Smith flyer into here. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing uh, Bodan Bardanovich on this team. That being said, with him ahead of free agency and, and his age, he is 27 years old, I believe. That's kind of just outside their timeline. So that's just really the the tiers that I'm sort of looking in for them is that can they just buy low on, on these wings? There's Or I guess high. I don't know what the cost from Malik Beasley is, but you know, a Kevin Knox or even a Justin Jackson, just any sort of youthful wing blood to inject in, into their rotation is is someone that I think should really be cracking their radar. I wouldn't even mind seeing a, a Tory Craig in Charlotte at this point. So uh, they could, they would be a team that I think can talk themselves into just a Denzel Valentine flyer. Uh, maybe that's redundant with Malik Monk being there. He's someone that they could offer in trade negotiations, though, when they're trying to, to pick up these, uh, let's call them second draft players or, or somebody. So uh, they're, they're another tough team to monitor at the trade deadline. However, I do have an alternative suggestion. If they were willing to put Miles Bridges on the table in addition to other stuff, maybe they're a team that can wow Indiana with a Miles Turner offer. And having Miles Turner and PJ Washington yeah. moving forward up front, that seems like a solid front court to build around. And Turner's deal isn't ridiculous and he's young enough to be a part of whatever timeline Charlotte is operating on. So there's my there's my the daring pick for them. I'm, I'm not totally copping out like I was with the Bulls, where it's just so hard to pinpoint um, trade targets, whether they're buying or selling. Um, shout out to you with coming up with a, a reasonable Miles Turner destination on the fly. Um, sounded like it was on the fly. No, I have him penciled in as their top target. But, oh, okay. okay. But good. I don't think they. I didn't think they could get him, so I wanted to start with the fact that I think this is what they actually should be doing. Yeah, but if Turner's gettable, that's. For Charlotte, I, I think that that's sort of a sneaky good destination. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that at all. And I, I've looked at, I've tried to find uh, good destinations for Miles Turner, and it's eluded me. But that made sense as you explained it. I was team New Orleans for Miles Turner, but I'm kind of wondering what the rebounding would look like with him and Zion as the four yeah. or five. Uh, maybe it still works because he's so good on defense. But maybe I'm just clouded by how good Derek Favors has played as well. Yeah. Derek Favors, perennially underrated. Um, Brooklyn Nets. I went with uh, Alec Burks here, and he's a name that came up a lot on the Western Conference pod. He's come up a few times here. He's he's played pretty well for the Golden State Warriors this season, and he's on a, a very manageable contract. Um, it's expiring, and I think it's right around $2 bucks. And I just think to myself, you know, Brooklyn is kind of in an off year. Not kind of. They definitely are with Kevin Durant out. For the season, but it, you, they clearly still want to make the playoffs. Um, and I just imagine how much different does Brooklyn look if Alec Burks is playing the uh, Timothy Luawu Cabarro minutes um, you know, or something like that. If he's just sort of like your spark off the bench for 18, 19 minutes a game, I, I think he helps them um, a decent amount. I just wonder, do they need him if they're when they have it both is, Kyrie and Karis Levert, back I was going to say it's interesting that they've got Kyrie and Dinwiddie and Karis Levert. 
Um, there, there's certainly some redundancy there, but I also think Kenny Atkinson's a smart enough coach that he's, he's probably on board with a little bit of positionless basketball. Um, and so with Alec Burks there, you've got creators, um, for, for all 48 minutes, not just one creator for all 48 minutes, but you can have two or three out there for the entire game. Here for it. Uh, for them, what's difficult is they can't even put some of their best their best trade asset on the table in Karis Avert just because of his poison pill contract. And you're not going to go all in on a trade by using your best prospects or trade chips when you don't know what Kevin Durant looks like. You don't even really know what Kyrie Irving looks like with yeah. the core of this season. So you, you kind of have to buy with that for them because they are going to be a playoff team without giving up too much. But you also want to plan for the future where the, that player could be a good fit with what you're going to still have on the roster. And so the two names that stand out to me, and I, I went into this just seeking to upgrade that kind of four spot, but any combo wing, uh, Robert Covington, kind of on the higher end, but I'm not opposed to to just building deals around Rodion Kurut, some other small stuff, and then filler. I guess the filler gets difficult for Brooklyn because they're if, if we're assuming they're not going to give up DeAndre Jordan or Spencer Dinwiddie, this season, I'm not giving up Joe Harris in that deal. So now you're looking at Garrett Temple. Prince is so hard to move um, as well because of his poison pill provision. So that might be a difficult deal to work out. What's easier and just as sensible is Jay Crowder. And he's on an inspiring contract. I know the Grizzlies have just been outstanding since Thanksgiving yeah. and are in the playoffs in the West. But I still think that he's someone that could be gettable in deals. And they do have Musa and Kurus to dangle. Um, they can include second rounders and, and matching his salary wouldn't be too difficult. And then you have his bird rights and he's someone who certainly works alongside uh, or works on a team that has Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and, and Karis Levert. And then you can go into next season uh, when Levert's extension kicks in, when you still have Dinwiddie, when maybe you re-sign Joe Harris, uh, when Torian Prince extension kicks in and you'll have future picks. And then that's when you can maybe look to consolidate into close to a third star if that roster isn't already a finished product. Yeah, that's uh, I I agree with all that. Jay Crowder is another name that I think could reasonably come up for a bunch of different teams. I think he would make a lot of sense there. Shooting, we talked about his three point splits, but he's shooting extremely well from deep over Memphis's like dynasty stretch, whatever the hell's going on <laughs> in there. Just incredible. It's really hard to trust his three point uh, shot though for any extended period of time. Um, Boston, as I warned you before we started recording, I. I came up with like a gimmicky trade for them for the article that I wrote a few weeks ago. And it, this, I, I didn't have real strong belief in it then. I believe in it even less now. Um, so I don't, I don't really have a real clear target presenting itself for Boston. I, I just love the way they are right now. I guess they might be looking for a big guy. I think they've kind of got all their bases covered because I think Daniel Tice is a solid um defensive big and it's Kenner's a solid offensive big and I think Robert Williams has really high ceiling as a rim runner type of a center um but but I it seems like that's what they might be interested in is is a big man I just I don't know why they would want to trade any of the guys that they might have to trade to get a big man like Marcus Smart those three wings and Kimball Walker all make so much sense there right now it's it's hard for me to come up with realistic targets for the Celtics yeah, that's why you have to think on the smaller end of the salary scale. And so that's what I did. I was, I, I didn't think that they needed a big as badly as everyone thought they did. And I'm still, I still sort of tilt toward 
that end of the spectrum. That being said, they're 0-3 against Philly, including one of the games that Joel Embiid didn't play. And so they do seem like they could just use some more smart defenders up front. Uh, I mean, I would be, when Grant Williams is healthy, I'm, I'm a huge Grant Williams fan, but maybe just someone who can also go up against the, the larger bigs. And so some names I have circled. Uh, actually, I'll go with one that doesn't really go with that, but Davis Bertans, if you can get him and just to have that, throw him at the five since you've been so good defensively and maybe just try and uh, score teams off the floor, I don't think that's an, uh, a bad option. However, my more serious options include Jakob Bertel with the Spurs, just because I don't, he's been great this year, and I don't know, he's not necessarily the, the type of big that uh, Boston prefers to play, but I do think that he's one of those guys that can go up against the stronger bigs and then... While he's been great for San Antonio, do they want to pay him this summer? And all of a sudden, what if you let DeMar DeRozan walk uh, and then Jakob Pertl walk and then you're just left with, uh, I forget who which was the player that they drafted with that Toronto Raptors pick that they got in the first round from the from the Kawhi Leonard deal. So so that's something, they don't make midseason trades, but maybe that's something that factors into their calculus. Uh, the other name for them uh, or two names I have, I would see what the Bulls want for Wendell Carter Jr., if anything. I know he's out now for a month to six weeks, but he is someone you don't need a ton of salary um, to bring him back since he's still on his rookie scale. And Boston just has the treasure trove of draft picks to make the competitive offer. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. has been so good defensively for Chicago this year, I don't think he would be made available. But again, just just something I'm looking at. Maybe it's a little bit more realistic. Um Maybe it's a little bit more realistic over the summer when Boston can expand the type of offers that it makes. And I did look this up. Kelvin Johnson was the guy that they drafted with the Raptors pick in San Antonio. Uh, Mo Bamba is also a name I have for Boston. Just because Orlando has so many bigs, they probably view him as part of the future. But if they get to a point where they're kind of looking to sell or they're just looking to decongest how many bodies they have up front, Boston's a team that can give them picks in addition to one of their just smaller matching salaries could you even get Romeo Langford as part of as part of that deal just to get another prospect in addition to a pick uh and then finally I do think that they could stand to improve the backup playmaking minutes behind Kemba Walker the numbers haven't been great when he's off the floor even when they're playing with all three of Jalen Brown Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum this is another San Antonio name but Bryn Forbes just someone who adds a little off the dribble juice and, and can run the offense a tiny bit so I actually had plenty of names for Boston but they're certainly a hard team to navigate at the tread deadline because they're not going to give up any of their core uh, five players right now yeah that brings us to the atlanta hawks last team of the morning uh i'm going with andre drummond i'm i'm sticking with it and i get the i get the uh concern that they can just wait until the summer and sign him in free agency but i think there could be some value in getting him in the door getting him on the floor that's the second time i've rhymed in this podcast <laughs> with Trey Young um, and just seeing what it's like to play with him and being enticed to come back for a, a longer term deal after that. And I think Trey Young helps Andre Drummond a ton too. He's going to get, it's by far the best passer um, he's ever played with. So he's going to get tons of open looks. Defenses have to guard Trey Young like 30, 35 feet from the rim. So he's going to have wide open lanes um, in pick and rolls and, and dive situations. So I think, I think the fit, makes sense there for Andre Drummond. And it's honestly maybe the only team in the NBA where I think it makes sense. And maybe that's why I'm so into it happening. Um, but Andre Drummond's my target for the Hawks. Yeah, no Andre Drummond for me. Uh, I I think they should go after Dwayne Dedman. 
someone that you probably don't have to give up a ton for either. And yes, he's on the books for next year, but he's his salary is only partially guaranteed in, in year three. He was good for you already. And he can also be used as interesting salary fodder next season if you want to make a trade because of that partial guarantee in year three. Uh, if you're going to go after a potential free agent in a trade, I'd like Aaron Baines more on this team than I would Andre Drummond, even though Baines has sort of slipped off offensively over the past couple of weeks. And then they're another team where I'd, I'd call Orlando and see what they want for Mo Bamba. Uh, he, if he reaches his potential, uh, would be a great fit next to John Collins. And I tried to look at bigs that could also space the floor a little bit um, to give the Hawks still that five-out look that they, they did seem to value at at one point last year, but maybe aren't, aren't as high on now. So those are the names I have for them. There are just there are plenty of bigs. The list goes on for me that I would prefer for Atlanta to – to Andre Drummond, particularly knowing what it, what it'll cost to keep him over the summer, and the fact that they could just go out and sign him anyway. One rapid fire question before you, for you before we wrap up: Where do you think Andre Drummond? Um, where do you think Andre Drummond plays next season? I have been predicting. Oh, next season, I have no fucking clue, Andy. I have zero <laughs> idea. I don't even know if you asked me to pick whether he'd be traded this season. I think when the initial rumor came out, I just would have said, "Oh, he'll be traded," but. Coming up with destinations for him is just yeah. so impossibly difficult. And it's not that he's a bad player. It's just the the saturation of, of centers right now and yeah. then just the yeah. overall evolution of that position. I feel that way about him when I look at 29, including the Pistons, 29 out of 30 teams. The only one where he makes some sense to me is Atlanta. Um, I agree there. Enough. So, Maybe um, the Clippers – if they were really willing to just throw I, all their salary fodder there, but I'm not even, I'm not there. Yeah, I actually, I think I listed them as a potential spot in my Andre Drummond piece a few weeks ago. And I, I, I can kind of see that, but I don't love it. Um, so the Knicks we've settled. <laughs> we have now run through all 30 teams in the NBA and given you some, some just wonderful trade targets for all of them. If you want to throw some of your own trade targets at us, you can find us on Twitter. Dan's at Dan Favelli, uh, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The podcast network is at Blue Wire Pods. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. And as always, we invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you have already done those things, tell your friends, family, neighbors, acquaintances to do so. And until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Oudry and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.